and welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And this week we're going to look at another patron requested episode. Again, if you're interested in forcing us to cover a game you want us to cover, uh, go on and check out our Patreon. You can go on the third tier. Uh, and after so many months of being at that tier, you get to pick a game. And this is the second one of these we're doing on the game Conquest of the Crystal Palace for the Nintendo. But before we get into this episode's game, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last show? Well, not too much, really. Last week, I, I, I was pretty sick. There was an incident with about a dozen Red Lobster Cheddar Bay biscuits that I had. <laughs> and that really just, I, I think I was in the process of getting sick anyway. And then one night I just, you know, Grubhub had a deal on, on 12, on a dozen Cheddar Bay biscuits. And I was like, that sounds fine for dinner and so i ate that and then after that i i, just, I had like several really bad days of just not really wanting to move <laughs> days it, it, i mean it was probably the onset of a cold as well of some sort i mean it i mean honestly the the cheddar bay biscuits did bring the bay straight to my underwear so it it, it wasn't just i mean the sickness it it, it didn't help so I, I this week I, I've really just kind of get back into Fire Emblem because of course that's that's what I do. Um, but at some point, Apple Arcade released uh, with with the whole new update to the iPhones and, and stuff like that, and that's something that I wasn't. You know, you, you don't put Apple and gaming in the same same sentence for me at least. I don't play mobile games, so none of that stuff's interesting. But I figured I'd give this a try. Uh, because I'd heard some stuff. It's got like Choo Choo Rocket on it, a new kind of puzzle game version of it. Um, some other stuff, uh, Shantae, things like that. So I was like, yeah, you know, it's free for the first month, five bucks after that. Uh, this is pretty fucking good. I mean, this is kind of what I wanted mobile gaming to be. And, and I think Billy's actually been been playing a, a decent amount of it oh, as well. I've been hot and heavy. Uh, it, and I mean, it's, I don't know what I expected. It's like I didn't have low hopes for it but uh, they weren't high either but I, it it ended up being what i was what i was hoping for and yeah i mean i just people can say what they want and and i've got to say that i gotta imagine a lot of preconceived notions were shattered when this came around because uh, it's not i guess when you think about mobile games you, you think about a certain type of game but I, I, you and i were discussing it earlier i mean it's it's five dollars a month for what it launched with a you know, 50 some games that, you know, on their own probably would have went for that much. And, and a lot of them are, I think they're shorter experiences. I think you're talking about like, you know, two to three hour games, but I, it's kind of, I don't find myself plopped down, holding my phone in front of my face for more than, you know, for, for over three hours at a time. So I think, I think that's fine, but say what you want, but fucking it's great. And shit that's one of the best one of the best launch libraries of anything in quite some time i was actually really surprised with the, with the quality of what's mm -hmm. there i mean like you yeah. said they're not long games nothing's like a really like you know big big gaming experience that you're going to sit down mm -hmm. with I, maybe that ocean horn 2 uh mm. is, is yeah. that looks like the most like console gaming experience that there is but most of this stuff is your standard indie mobile stuff yeah. but with one big thing None of them have any microtransactions. Yeah, and there, and there are no ads. Yeah, no like ads. That. None of this is the freemium shit that has turned me off to mobile games from mm -hmm. the start. And I can't stand mobile games that do that. I want to play a game when I want and how long I want. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be. I don't want to have energy. I don't want to have multiple currencies, and that's that's one of the things that just keeps me 
away from mobile gaming. Like today, Mario Kart came out on mm-hmm. iOS, um, full of microtransactions, and you actually have to pay $5 a month if you want to mm-hmm. unlock 200cc. Like just a mode in the game you have to subscribe to to unlock. That's just stupid to me. I can't believe that exists. But all of these are just games. That's all that, you know, there's nothing else besides you just play them for however long you want. And they're really good little games. Mm. Uh, did you actually play the Mario Kart? Uh, no, I did not actually play the Mario myself because the servers were down. Oh, well, that... I, I, I got on there. I played through it for, for a while. Yeah, I'm a fucking Mario Kart fiend. And I played at length. And I mean, it's it's nothing that's going to replace your Mario Kart you have on the console. Uh, it's it's like a quick, everything's two laps. And I'd say a race is probably less than a minute. You know, even on the longest course, and it, it's uh, it's it's one of those things where you're you're accelerating the entire time. You basically, you know, take take control of the the turning, you know, the drifting, and using the items. And uh, yeah, and and I feel like this is one of those where, with the sh- tracks being so short, and uh, like one one fell swoop, and you can go from first to last uh, with no no chance of coming back if you get hit on that last lap so i I, it takes a lot of like uh a a lot of the skill out of it which i guess this is kind of a mario kart that anybody can play i I guess i would say if a small child or an elderly person was ever going to defeat you in a mario kart game this is probably the one where it would happen Uh, other than than on your phones though billy have you played anything else since our last show uh, you know that damn Celeste. That was my game of the year last year, and, and they said they were going to put out some DLC for it, which I guess is a long game, and I, I thought it wrapped up beautifully. Uh, but they put it out, and you know the game was divided into chapters, and this was chapter nine. This was supposed to be the conclusion, conclusion to a game that already had a, a fine conclusion. And you know what happens whenever that happens. They fucked it up. They didn't fuck up the game. I'm not one of those people that said, oh, they ruined it, you know, because I'm a fucking adult. But this is bad. It's bad. It's it's like they, they the staff was on vacation. They hired the kids that were making these fucking asshole Mario Maker levels. and said, get in there. Um, I mean, this is a game I love, too. Uh, I have played this thing on three different platforms now all the way through. Um, and yeah, I, I, if they put this out and they said, Hey, here's the Celeste like challenge levels. That's fine. Cause they introduce a lot of new mechanics. Uh, and these stages are unforgiving. And I thought the game naturally had a, you know, a good curve in it and the difficulty was earned as you went along. This one just throws you in there and it's fucking, uh, too precise it asked for too much uh and i think the other trouble is that i mean i've played this game multiple times like i said on different systems but it's been a fucking while and you can't put out the damn expert shit when you've waited this long to put the dlc out i we're talking like what it's almost a year now and now you're putting this out uh people uh, we got cobwebs on us we got dust on us and it goes and I won't spoil the story because it's a wonderful game. I will never spoil. I think everybody should probably play through it. Um, but a lot of character development and a lot of relationships established towards the end of the game, uh, they kind of get abandoned early in this one. And it, it's 
it's just a damn mess. Uh, it's 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 not needed. And like I said, that game wrapped up. So one, this is fucking Sex in the City, the movie. One and two. <laughs> the series ended perfect. Then the movie came out, and I refused to watch it. And my suspicions were confirmed. They fucked up, you know, the ending they had established. That's what this is. It's, it's Sex in the City, the fucking movie, except you jump around a fucking lot. And music's still excellent. They put out a lot of new tracks, which is probably the best thing. The, you know, the extended soundtrack is, is getting more playtime with me than the game itself, which I think I'm a few minutes away from finishing from what I've seen. Um, but yeah, I still a wonderful game, but I got nothing that add-on for it well speaking of dlc although this isn't quite dlc all i have played of substance and 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 an embarrassing amount of time is of course the monster hunter expansion iceborne uh it's it's by far the best expansion of anything i've bought since ironically ice crown for world of warcraft (laughs) like it is it, it takes everything about the basic game has made it much more enjoyable they added just enough goofy things for people like me to get excited about like new cats that make your dinner I love it, but I don't want to talk more about Monster Hunter because, again, I can already hear people just stopping the podcast. Uh, this week, I think, the new Contra Rogue Core came out, mm. and the demo is free. So I tried the demo on the Switch, and I do want to stress that all my opinions are based on a one-level demo. Um, a- as a, a short summary, this is a terrible Contra game. It is, not, it is not what I would consider to be Contra other than the fact that it has a spread gun. It is a top-down action game. It reminds me a lot more of Smash TV or one of those, but obviously all dressed up. Um, in fact, if, if they would have called this, uh, what was the kind of sequel to, to Smash TV? Total Carnage? If they would have yeah. said this was Total Carnage new, I would have thought, this is a great. This is actually exactly like Total Carnage. But <sighs> the gameplay is okay. It's a little a little rough, but again, it's a demo, so I can't say the final product plays... I don't want to say badly, but it just doesn't feel polished. But the, I guess to make the character edgy and tough, even in the demo, and this makes me sound like an old man, but at the same time, if I noticed it, it means a lot. I don't think there was one sentence that went by that didn't have the F word in it or the word shit in it. Like it was just every line the guy said, the the main character you played in the demo just swears the whole time but like in ways that don't make any sense it doesn't sound organic it just sounds like you're trying to be super cool uh and again like an old man uh, i played contra as a kid my brothers and i played forever this also seems to have like four player co-op i would love to find a good four player shooter co-op game to play with my kids but i'm not going to play this game because every other sentence is a bunch of swear words that if they repeat, I'm going to have to hide all our systems and never get to use them. <laughs> so that's very disappointing. Uh, it, it's actually not unfun to play. I actually would be interested when that game immediately crashes down to like 70% off because it's not going to sell well. I will probably pick it up and play it because I do like top-down shooters. I like uh, games that have that that kind of gauntlet feel to it. And this this does, but man... It should not have been called Contra. They should have called it anything else, and it probably would have done much better because it is. Uh, it barely feels like a Contra game. I was going to say I, I was getting some Legacy of War vibes from from what I've seen, like the gameplay. It's not as bad as I recall, and again, I haven't played Legacy of War in a long time. But Legacy of War was, I thought it was too close to your character, and there were some major camera problems. This avoids camera problems by making the camera static. You can't control it at all because you're using one stick to move and one stick to aim because it's a traditional top-down shooter. Um, 
again, it's one level. Maybe other levels in the game have a horrific problem with it. I didn't have any problems with the camera in the demo. But I can see how if I was playing with four players, I don't know how bad that would play. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't look like a Contra game to me. Um, I, I don't. I mean, how much is it like? No, I think it's come out it's like forty, 40 bucks. bucks. Yeah, that's it's that's, not. It's not a forty dollar game from what I and saw. It, it looks like an old Xbox three sixty like a, a arcade game. You know that they would do mm-hmm. on those. Like it does not look good at all. And somehow it's got a season pass with it. So oh, everything yeah. does. Everything's got a season pass. You can't just sell a game. Nope. You got to uh, have an indefinite amount of DLC that you can charge people $40 for whatever comes out in the future. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm not going to rush out and buy it. But uh, but if it's on sale at some point, like like when they have the next uh, next annual PlayStation sale where everything's marked down to 80%, I might pick it up then. I, I think it has some promise of being a fun action game, uh, just not a good Contra. So we should probably... Talk about the game we're going to talk about for the rest of the episode. Conquest of the Crystal Palace for the Nintendo. As we mentioned at the start of the show, this is a patron pick. This is a pick by Burger Champ, who is one of our Super Retrovaniac DX members. So welcome to the show, Burger Champ. And why did you pick Conquest of the Crystal Palace? Well, I grew up in a, a really small town, 2,000 people, and we had uh, a lot of small rental, like uh, actually mostly like pharmacies and people's garages and stuff. And um, they, they must have gotten the cheapest games they could find. And this was one that I rented pretty off um and really enjoyed i think that fits uh jeremy and, and billy too a lot of us have experience with smaller video stores uh, and that was kind of how we found all our games so that, that is not uh unusual you rented it i'm guessing you borrowed it did you finish this game i couldn't beat it when i was younger but um when i was collecting I used a lot of the cheats to beat it, and then I kind of weaned myself off the cheats, and now I can beat it without the cheats. So, Yeah, I found the same thing uh, playing through this, not with as much cheats, uh, but using some save states. Uh, after doing save states to get through the levels, I was able to blow through some of these levels again, but I don't know if I would have had the patience to finish this out of the box on cart. Uh, it, it's pretty tough. Uh, it's got some some definite things we're going to discuss on why it's so hard, but it also has a lot of really interesting uh, tweaks to to what would be a pretty standard you know action platformer, uh, notably the dog. I thought the dog was a really cool addition. Yeah, yeah, it's got a lot of uh, ideas that were thrown in, like being able to choose your beginning power ups and you know to suit your play style. And the dog, the best thing about the game, other than the dog, is there something about this game that stood out that made you think this is the game I want to recommend these guys to cover? It just wasn't a very well known game, and I thought that the huge bosses and stuff and it was it was kind of cartoony and you know with limited options this was definitely better than some of the other rentals that were available oh definitely i I mean we've played some 
some rough games on here, and I remember renting games that were just atrocious. So now we're going to go ahead and dig into this game. Uh, again, thank you, Burger Champ, for your pick, and thank you for being a patron. Again, if anyone would like us to cover a game, the best way to do that is to join our Patreon page. Link is in the comments for this. It's on all of our social media. Uh, if you get to the Super Retrovaniac DX tier, you can pick a game. Uh, otherwise, you can just join to get the free shows we put out, and we're going to have, again, some extra shows coming up this October. So thank you, Burger Champ, and uh, thanks for coming on. All right, sounds great. Thank right. you so much. Congress of the Crystal Palace came out uh, in 1990, both in Japan and the U.S. It does not seem to have a European release. It was published by Asmic, uh, who the only other game I'd ever played by Asmic was on the Game Boy, which was <laughs> Boomer's Adventures in Asmic World, <laughs> because Boomer was their mascot. And, of course, their name would have been Asmic World. Apparently, they did some other games. I did look at their list of, of games they put out. It wasn't too many I was familiar with. And a lot of the time, they were just the publisher. They didn't develop. Uh, the developer of this game, did anyone look this up at all? This was developed. I, I did. I was, I was actually kind of surprised. Yes, it was developed by Quest. Uh, Quest later on uh, would would go on to do Ogre Battle and therefore be picked up by Square. Uh, members of this team picked up by Square to do Final Fantasy Tactics and eventually Final Fantasy uh, Twelve. And I'm going to butcher names because I do it every single time. But most notably, this team uh, consisted also of Yasumi Matsuno and Masaharu Iwata, who would be the lead developers and uh, lead composer for Final Fantasy Twelve and Final Fantasy Tactics. So that's pretty amazing that mm. this game has that 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 historical mark because otherwise this is nothing like any of the games we just mentioned. Uh, Conquest of the Crystal Palace is an action platformer. It's barely a platformer. It's definitely a lot more action except for one specific level. Uh, it you, you In this game, you play as Farron uh, with your helpful dog, Zap. You're on a quest to reclaim your kingdom. It was stolen from you as a child uh, by the evil conquering war spirit, Zerus, who took your parents uh, I believe killed your parents, but I don't know clearly say it, but they're not saved in any way in this game. Uh, and took your land, your parents hid you, and, and some like guardian dog became your pet dog. And now that you're 15, you're back to reclaim the land. It is a standard side-scrolling, you know, one button is jump, one button uses your sword. Uh, that That's it for this game as far as the basic controls. And you go through five different levels. The levels are actually fairly long for this game. Uh, there are checkpoints in the levels, but they're not marked. Some of the levels have a real problem where the checkpoint is really far from the boss. So if you get to the mm. boss and die, you've got to go all the way back. Uh, you do have unlimited continues, but the continues start you at the beginning of the level. And you only have three lives. You can buy more lives. Uh, there's there's a store icon, more or less, in the, in the game that you can buy lives at, but they're very expensive. So generally, you've got three lives to get through one of these levels. Get your upgrades, get to the boss, and finish it off. Uh, you know, on paper, this game is incredibly standard. It does have a few interesting things. Um, first off, when you start the game, you get a chance to pick a power up you immediately start with. So the three power ups are a life enhancer, it makes your life longer, uh, give you more life. Uh, a, a jump increase, you can jump higher, which is super helpful in some levels. And a magic attack of fire, uh, you can, you know, find these things in the levels anyway so it's not like if you don't choose one you'll never see it but it's a nice way to kind of pick what the right thing to start with for your play style would be i mentioned that you have zap your dog uh in the game you have a series of you know along with your health bar 
and what looks like a second health bar. The second health bar is for your dog. And you have four icons at the bottom at the start that will show you a picture of a dog, some weird symbol, and then um, a magic item if you picked a magic item. If you push down and jump, an arrow will go across these items. And when you let go, it uses the item. If you select your dog, your dog will show up on the screen and start attacking things that are nearby. Uh, a lot of the time, that's some of the ways I got through some of these levels because the enemies do come in fairly quickly. Uh, there's an immense amount of knockback. This game has... Is there a game we have covered that has worse knockback than this game? No. <laughs> I don't think we ever will. It is atrocious in this game. And it looks like one of those fucking games that'll have knockback in it. Just like when you... I don't know why that became a thing. Uh, but yeah, this one's bad. It's it, it's substantial. And you find out early. Because like you find out how it's going to be early on. I think I was maybe it's like 20 seconds, like the first set of steps you're coming up. You're, you know, you're dealing with the enemies on the screen and, and then there are arrows from nowhere, like coming down diagonally towards you. And uh, that kind of sets the tone. There's a, a lot. Uh, the screen's going to be busy. I'll just say that much throughout a lot of this game uh, with just the standard enemies, birds, I gotta say, you probably be fucking uh, birds are uh, seem to plague these types of games. Uh, but none like this. Uh, these birds on here just uh, fucking beat the shit out of you, and the knockback is bad. Um, I don't know what I was expecting. I don't. I wasn't expecting quite this much busyness on the screen, though. It it is substantial. It's uh, it, the knockback didn't actually start bothering me until the second level. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we're going to go through levels or not, but the second level is filled with pits that you can drop down yes. into that take you back to the beginning of the level or an early part, earlier part of the level. And <laughs> there, there are multiple things all over the place, including the ground that is just going back and forth, trying to drag you into these pits or hit yes. you. And that was the point where it real. I was like, this is some, this is some asshole knockback. This is yeah. up here, up there with some like Ninja Gaiden, where you just get to those points where you have no option but to take a hit and get knocked back into a hole and die. And you're not dying this, but you know, unfortunately, you have to just play it more. So that's just uh, that was when things started getting getting rough. Um, speaking of rough, uh, I I do enjoy the dog. Oh boy, that was a terrible segue. I'm sorry. Worst segue that's ever been done in the show. I I really enjoyed. Uh, the dog actually surprised me. I was expecting oh. it to be more in the uh, the Mega Man kind of, you know, mm. that mm. that sort of thing. Like it would just assist you. But this dog comes in and it just beats the shit out of things. You know, the problem I had, he has a he has his own health bar. And oh, that worried me too much. I, like I like my animals in video games. I like my dogs indestructible. I like it that they, they, you know, they get scared and run away for a little bit or they're knocked out for a minute, but then they pop back up. When, when I see a health bar on there, I, I, it's like dog meat. You beat shit out of dog meat and follow and he'll, you know, he'll get back up and he's happy to come back and help again. I was worried perpetually this entire time about letting this dog's energy get down to zero. But I, I think that actually adds like a, a decent amount of strategy. To it this does. Game. It does. You got to choose when you want to use them. Yeah. And, and it's a neat mechanic. And yeah, he's some fucking, if you want to clear the screen, he'll do it for you. Uh, it just runs back and forth. And it's, it's 
pretty impressive. I got to say the use of the dog, incorporating the dog into it uh, was, was one of the, one of the bright spots, but about the knockback into the pits, do you, do you prefer if it would have just killed you then? Or what do you think about starting back or it taking you back in the level, you know, with, uh, but, but not losing a life. Would you, would you rather just died and then popped up a little bit closer? I mean, I, it's, it's hard to say because it seems random almost like where those pits would take you. Like at some points, like I would, I was taken back to an earlier part, but then like I, I dropped into one that was like a boss and I didn't know what the fuck was going on at that. I thought that was the end level boss, but it wasn't. It was just like, I guess like it's its own little boss in one of those pits that you can accidentally drop down into. I don't know if either of you got to that or not, but uh, I did not. Uh, but I did know. So the, the pits that you're speaking of level two and the last level have any time it looks like you're going to fall to your death. You actually go to another screen. Most of the time it is back to the very beginning of the level or at least an earlier checkpoint before all these pits hit. Um, but there are apparently, according to the manual, some pits specifically in the second level. It's like you might find some surprises. So I guess that's the surprise. I didn't I didn't jump in every pit to find the surprise. I tried to avoid that because I found it obnoxious. Uh, but but the, in levels one, three and four pits are just pits. You jump into them. You immediately die. Great. You're back to the checkpoint. So if you didn't have the manual and again, I understand these are Nintendo games. It's assumed you're buying the game. You have the manual. You can read it. If the first time you got to level two and you fell in one of those pits, you must have been like, oh, my God, I'm going to die and start over. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get warped back. But then so you think, great, that's how these levels work. So you get to the third level and you jump down a pit. No, you're just dead. So <laughs> you have to know which levels that applies to. Uh, I I don't like that as a mechanic. And in fact, the last level takes it to an extreme that was borderline. Well, actually, it wasn't even borderline. It made the last level unplayable and completely unfun. I would like to just do a quick summary of the levels, but let's go through some of the other mechanics. We already mentioned the dog as a neat mechanic. And actually, the first level, there's plenty of parts because you're walking up and down this this mountain range where enemies would come in and they'd spawn on a ledge below me. And you, your sword doesn't stab downwards, so you have to risk jumping you know, trying to hit the guy when he's running away if it's quick, but if it's a short little platform he's on, there's a really good chance you're going to land weird, the knockback's going to push you over, you'll fall into a pit and die instantly, or at least, you know, take more damage. There are not a lot of health pickups in the levels themselves. There are a few, but most of the health pickups you have to buy or finish the level to get your health bar refilled. So you don't want to take damage if you can avoid it. So that dog I loved in those situations. If I knew I was coming up to an area where there's people below me that I couldn't stab, the dog took care of him quickly. The dog does have his own health bar. You can also fill that up with items you buy. But there are no health pickups for the dog in the levels at all. And you do get to summon him whenever you want, but you also get to put him away whenever you want, which is also a really cool mechanic. So I was mm. using the dog... A lot, but I was also recalling the dog a lot because I didn't want to lose him. The times when you need him, you really want him there. But if you just let him run around, you know, during the level and kind of forget, you can, you know, I guess, whistle him back or whatever. Uh, that, that's going to really hurt you because he is almost a necessary mechanic to get through some of these levels easily. He's not very smart. No, Mm-mm. no, it's, it's I mean, a- <laughs> he just does his thing. You know, you just call him. He's 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 glad to to kill things, but he's he's also not trying to defend himself. Uh, so you've, you've got to really pay attention to him early on. I thought this was going to be the, <clears throat> the, uh, win the game button. Uh, but it turns out the dog takes a, a good deal of damage and you mm-hmm. have to, you do have to babysit him, which again, which is, I was like, you know, it does add a good deal of strategy to it because you just can't have him on the screen, at the, you know, all the time. No, I did that at first and he doesn't last long. Even on the early levels, he, he 
takes a lot of damage, even though he does a lot of damage. So it's, uh, again, a nice mechanic, a, a pretty cool strategy to know when when not to use the dog. Uh, one of the other things at the bottom of the screen you can select is a magic item. Uh, the magic item is normally a spell. It'll be, you know, you can start the game. Uh, after you pick the crystal for magic, you get a fireball spell. It just shoots fire forward. It gives you a projectile. Normally your sword has no projectile ability. Um, but there are other spells you pick up throughout the game that most of them are all projectiles, but they're different styles, different different uh, arcs that it takes or a, a, a stronger attack. Uh, you can only store one magic item at a time, like one magic spell. I didn't realize that, and all of them have the same icon at the bottom of the screen, so I never knew which one I had if I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't remember which one I had bought. And there are some enemies that drop, uh, like the original Fireball. So if you have a nice, a, a better spell that you would have spent money on, and then you kill an enemy and pick up his fireball, oh, you just lost that spell mm. you put a lot more time into. Also, all the spells, once selected, you can't. Uh, you can turn them off, but they have a limited use. So there is no, like, it's not like you get fireballs, and now all of a sudden, great, I can walk through this level, and I'm just going to blow fireballs at everybody and kill them. You'll probably, it lasts, what, like a minute, maybe, tops, and it might even be a number of uses. I, it doesn't have a counter, so if it's a number of uses, it's averaged out to about about a minute of game. Uh, and on most bosses, that's not enough time. So you'll want to make sure you save that magic. But if you don't use it, then if you find other magic, it gets overwritten. You lose your magic. So it's still, it, it's one of those things, again, there's a strategy in using it. You don't want to forget you have it. But nothing requires it. There are no bosses that require magic. Although I would argue the third and fourth level boss kind of do you can definitely beat them technically without it but it's about ten thousand times harder than if you have some magic spells for those two specific bosses i most of the time forgot i had it yeah (laughs) just exactly like what you were talking about i (laughs) forgot yeah i i worked harder to get the uh sword power up than i than i did like half the time remembering i even had like magic in the game well, those power-ups uh, that you mentioned, there's a sword power-up and there's an armor power-up. Some enemies, when you kill them, and I believe it's just the bubble enemies, but I could be wrong, um, will drop a sword icon or a, sh- a a piece of armor icon. Armor makes you completely invulnerable other than falling into a pit and dying. It's wonderful, and the level where you get that a lot is a level where you kind of need it. Without kind of chaining, getting those armors and moving forward, you're going to die horribly. Uh, and then the sword icon gives you your regular sword ability, kind of a projectile. It goes... Uh, most of the way across the screen, it does a fair amount of damage. It also has limited uses, but again, there's no counter. So you just kind of use it as much as you can while you have it. Just don't constantly walk forward, swing your sword, or it'll run out quicker than you, you need it to. Uh, those are not in every level, and they're pretty spare. However, uh, specifically in the fifth level, that sword item will show up in one section, and it seems like every third or fourth enemy drop a sword, but by the time you get out of the section you need it, uh, it's already run out of time, and you're back to your regular sword again. But it, it is worth getting those things. They do not count as magic to your magic item. Uh, apparently, there's also an item called the Moon Mirror. I never received it, but that is the fifth item slot at the bottom of the screen. Um, I, I could have looked up how to get it. I did not, because I did not organically find it. But it is an item, apparently, that damages everything on the screen. I don't know if it has a, a limited number of uses or if it's a one-use only. Uh, I, I didn't get it. I don't know if either of you guys got the Moon Mirror. Are you sure, are you sure, uh, Kim? Kim wasn't selling it to you. <laughs> I don't know if Kim sold it to you. Now that's that's uh, I should have mentioned that earlier. Kim is the store in the game. In the middle of every level of the game, 
you'll walk up to a character that says hi and you walk into that character and she all of a sudden becomes a store she sells you herbs that heal your own health uh this blue potion that heals your dog's health uh different magical spells she also will give you the items you did not pick at the beginning of the game so if you did not pick the longer health she does sell a longer health bar if you didn't pick higher jump she sells the jump shoes if you didn't pick magic obviously she sells magic plus some other magics that were not offered as a benefit at the beginning of the game um she also will sell you extra lives. And the other thing she does in every level is she has a news report. If you select <laughs> Kim's news report, it goes to the QNN news report where she kind of summarizes the events of the game up to that point. Otherwise, even with the manual, you're not really sure. Not that it matters in an NES action platform or why you're killing these bosses. But it actually explains, like, here's the area you just went through and here's what happened. And this is why the main boss is angrier now because of this thing that happened. I thought those were really cool ways to, to kind of share the story out without just having a text screen flop up or having you know unnecessary exposition by i don't know an npc this is like a little news report that comes up now why does she news report i don't know but i thought it was a cool little touch to the game and she's and as a store she she's was such great. a likable character she she poor kim she deserves to be in a better game uh but yeah I, I, definitely one of the more endearing like shopkeeps of a video game I very few games would I recommend just based on the shop yes. <laughs> that the game. Maybe besides like Resident Evil Four, but uh, Kim is is eh, she won me over. She absolutely won me over. Uh, just those little news segments. Uh, if you, I don't know if you guys, you know, if you buy enough from her, like she actually like gets these this little twinkle in her eye. Yeah, I was a like, big spender. Yeah, like there's just so much personality in this shopkeep. This little girl. Uh, just adorable. Every time I saw her, I was like, "Yep, I'm I'm going to you." Uh, any any chance I got to grind for money, uh, which there are, you know, sometimes that you can do, I I would do so just because you know I, I wanted to see that twinkle in her eye. I wanted to make Kim happy. <laughs> uh, my only complaint with Kim, other than that, you know, there's not enough Kim in this game, is if you go to Kim and need to buy an item, and you nothing requires an item, but let's say you need more health. Her, her prices change level by level. So in the first level, a health pickup is, a you know, the, the small herbs that heal most of your health is a thousand. I don't think it's gold, but let's go with gold. I don't remember what the currency is in this game. But by level four, that same health pickup is 4,000 to 5,000 gold. And you don't know that until you go try to buy it. And so let's say you walk in, you know you need health, you have 3,500 gold, and she's like, oh, it's 4,000 gold. You're like, oh, no big deal. Well, it is a big deal, because if you leave the shop, she's gone. She does not come back that level unless you totally die, and by that point, you don't need that health pickup. This is a much bigger issue in the later levels than it is early on, because there are, again, the bosses of levels 3 and 4, which we'll get to in a little bit, almost require a specific magic spell, and if you don't have enough money to buy it, and you get to Kim to buy that magic spell... You're screwed. You, you're not going to get a chance to get it again. Good luck on the rest of your game. And, you know, that that there's no way to have her respawn other than, again, dying yourself. Um, I did mention you have unlimited continues. One of the things I found was interesting is if you do continue at a level, while you do lose your magic, if you lose any of the power-ups you have, you do keep all the money you have. So if you're just trying to make sure you have as much money as possible to get whatever power-ups you need, you can almost sacrifice yourself over and over again, keep building that bank up, and then do a good run through the level with all that money saved up. Uh, you don't lose it when you when you continue, which is nice. I expected it to come back with you have no money and two lives and no power-ups, but at least you get to keep that money, which for most levels, the, the, the Kim spot is early enough in the level. You can get to it without too many problems, even without any power-ups. 
before we get away from the actual gameplay and go into the levels, I, I really just wanted to mention or see if this bothered you guys or if you noticed it at all. It's something that tripped me up very early in the game and it kept kind of annoying the fuck out of me through all five stages. Um, when you jump, you know, he jumps. But this is, for some reason, I, I it, when you attack, when you jump, you almost kind of go down at a faster speed. Yes. Mm. Yes, mm-hmm. you do. And <laughs> the combined with the pits, there were, there were several moments uh, in this game where, like, you're you're trying to do jumps and you get accustomed to how he's jumping just like any other video game character in the world but then there's also everything in the world coming at you including birds and hands and everything else that you have to kind of attack when you're in midair and as soon as you do that attack go down way faster than what you usually would and every just about every single time i'd go straight into that fucking pit and i this may just be one little thing in this game that just absolutely kind of killed it for me but it killed me more than just about anything else in this game. Uh, I just get used to something, and then I hit that attack button, and I just go straight down into a pit, die, or go back to an earlier part of the game. Just made me fucking so mad every time. <laughs> well, it's not even straight down. Straight down would be bad, but at least, like, literally one level in, you'd realize that's how your jump works. You can't yeah. jump and attack me forward. No, it just slightly changes your arc. It shortens your arc, and it speeds it up. So there are, especially like the last level specifically, there was a couple spots you have to jump and attack. There's no way around jumping and attacking to Mm. to get over a a larger pit where things are falling at you. Because for some reason your sword will stop lava. So there is a couple jumps where you you have to make that jump. And if you don't time it exactly right to like the last second you can make that hit affect the item that's going to hit you. Yes, you you fall right into a pit, and in those levels, you go back to an earlier part. Yes, it's infuriating. Uh, I I did not uh, I I did realize it. I I did not write it down as one of the things that drove me nuts because it was not the the thing that drove me the most nuts, which would be those birds. But other than that, <laughs> that that was pretty infuriating. We mentioned the levels. All the levels in this game are, are pretty standard. You know, the first level is a, a mountain range. Second level is some sort of fortress. The third level is a cave. The fourth level is some fire pit. And then the last level is the tower, the the, the crystal palace in the the title. Um, level by level, this game does not drastically change. It's not like there's all of a sudden a driving level in the middle of this. It, it's all the same. You know, side scrolling. Start on the left of the map in general and your ideas work to the right. They are multiple uh, heights. There are some levels that actually have paths up and down uh, th- that will require you to kind of go around the map. Uh, I don't even know if there's a lot to talk about the first level necessarily. It's just kind of a stock mountain level. It teaches you how to play the game. It shows you how the levels are going to be laid out. And the boss itself, even for the first level, is a, a two-person boss. There's like a flying character at the top and then there is a guy with a sword and shield at the bottom uh, very simple bosses not not too tough but they definitely 
do a lot of damage. So if you're not, if you think you can just run in and stab them a bunch, you're probably not going to succeed. Uh, although I will say, I watched a speed run of this game, and with a turbo button, you can literally run up to almost every boss in this game and just wail on your sword, and it will it mm. will destroy them. Mm. I I was into it at this point. Like I really like this game at its most base level. Like this this first stage, you know, as basic as it is, like it looks good, it sounds good, you know, it controls well. But the dog was cool. Like I was like, this is going to be cool. Like I, I'm pretty into this. <laughs> I was really looking forward to the rest of the game. Uh, and until like, well, the second level. Well, the, the the second level is the first kind of internal fortress level you go to. I don't think this is that bad of a level, except that it has the first experience where you fall into pits and it warps you back to an earlier part of the level. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that the that this level has the best one of the best checkpoints for if you're going after the boss. The boss, the second level, is the first large boss you fight. It's a giant samurai. He is fairly tough at first to figure out. He is easier with certain magics. Uh, I didn't have too many problems with him, though. And when you do die fighting him, you start at a point that's kind of the bottom of a staircase up to that boss. So you don't have to go through you know miles of level. The first level, uh, the, the checkpoint for the boss is about halfway through the level. So if you die at that first, that first two-person boss... Admittedly, not hard, but if you get to him with a little, you know, almost no health and don't know his attacks, you'll probably die. You got to go through half the level again. The second level, thankfully, made that checkpoint earlier. But yes, the pits that warp you back is bad. And the second level had a bunch of enemies whose whole goal is to knock you into those pits. Those are those hands you mentioned. There are some <laughs> some creatures in the second level that literally just come up and they just kind of shovel you into pits. Absolutely frustrating. And I was I was wondering if like if this was kind of going to how it's going to be, because, <laughs> you know, uh, if, if the second level was just like, oh, we, you know, we started on the high point and, you know, well, here's where the frustration comes in. It's going to be one of those games that's only got five levels, but it, every single level after stage one is going to be the hardest thing you've ever played. Mm. Uh, but then after that, it wasn't too bad for, for a couple of levels. Uh, it, you'll mention those, uh, but then level five, you know, we mentioned in our bonus show uh, or last one with Joe and Mac two of like, you know, you can sort of enjoy a game and, and, and have it killed almost basically at, at the last level. And that's what Joe and Mac kind of did or Joe and Mac 2 did for us. This one uh, it totally did the exact same thing. And different reasons, though. Totally different reasons. Mm-hmm. This, yes. so, so the third level is in the caves. Technically, the third level is the Lair of Hungry Ghosts. It is not a bad level, except it's the first level that has honest blind jumps. And that's one of the biggest things I hate in video games, where if you have a, a, a jump where you have to, you're, you know, it's expected. You have to, the, the, the platform you're on, the, the level you're on, the, the, the field you're on ends at a big pit. So you jump down this big pit and it's assumed that you'll get to the bottom and, you, you know, there's more ground. You can keep going. This actually has parts where you jump down those big pits and then there's only one like cloud you can land on. And other than that, it's a big hole and you have to make sure you aim in the right spot. But there's nothing. There's not an arrow. There's not a key, a clue that would lead you to be in the right spot. I absolutely hate that. It's only a couple spots in this level, so it wasn't a complete deal breaker. But but that was one of those things I wrote down. Like the first time I tapped me, I was like, God, God damn blind jumps. I hate them. I hate blind jumps. And this game, up to this point, didn't have any. And actually, after this level, it doesn't have them either. It's just a problem in level three. 
other than the blind jumps, I like this level. It has, you know, spikes on the ceiling in some spots, so you have to do careful jumps so you don't hit them. It's not instant kills like Mega Man. It, it does just take off damage, but it does mean you have to be careful with your jumps, which I never I never complain about that. I actually like that as a mechanic. Uh, the boss to this level, and the boss level 4, are essentially the same boss with some different, uh, I want to say, side mechanics. So the boss itself of level 3 and level 4 is this brain item that floats around the screen and you just have to hit it. It doesn't do anything unless it hits you, then it hurts you. But other than that, it's just making sure you you hit this you know kind of quickly moving brain that has a, a, a pretty crazy pattern. It doesn't seem to be completely set. It, it has some set spots. Once it gets to those spots, it does a few maneuvers, but it doesn't go from point A to B to C to D. It, it just shifts around the map. But while those this brain thing, it's a brain demon of some sort, is flying around, you're supposed to be dealing with something else. And in level 3, it's an onslaught of regular enemies that are in the level. So there's still these spiders and these other floaty things that come and attack you. So while you're fighting this boss, these things just keep spawning till there's, you know, as, they can only have four on the screen at a time, but as soon as you kill one, another one spawns in. This is the first boss where I really was glad I had some magic with a projectile weapon, specifically the one that's called Fuego, uh, which is actually Ninja Star, so I don't know why it's called Fire, but it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> you get the Ninja Star item. If you can get the four enemies on the screen to just be spiders, they just crawl along the bottom and can't mess with you on a ledge, and then you just wail on, you know, just fire your shurikens till you, you hit the brain enough times it'll kill it. That was the first boss where I was so glad I had magic, because otherwise there was no chance I was going to easily beat this, because as soon as you killed an enemy, it's not like they spawn in from the sides or set points. They just spawn in from everywhere. So if you're actually just killing these little enemies while trying to fight this brain thing, it's just non-stop, and you take a lot of damage. The fourth level is the Gateway of Flame. It's a level where the entire bottom, uh, if you fall, you die. There's some falling platforms. There's lava that shoots out of the floor and the ceiling that you have to dodge. Thankfully, uh, for all of level four, the enemies that uh, look like fireballs that pop up and down, if you kill them, there's a good chance you'll get the armor that makes you invincible, and then you just run through those pillars of flame. So you get to the end boss, who's basically the same as the end boss of level 3, that flying brain thing. But instead of having to dodge a bunch of enemies, you've got flame walls coming from the floor and the ceiling. Uh, I think it's a lot harder than the third level. In fact, I could not find a good, convenient place to stand. And without magic, I don't know if I would have finished it, but I did. I don't know if you guys had a big problem with the, any of the bosses really in this game up to this point. Uh, no, not, not too much. <laughs> I got a better question. Did you guys get this far in the game? Yes, I did. I got this far, and I got to the fifth stage, and I quit because <laughs> I yeah. fucking hate that stage. <laughs> yes. I it, I didn't really have much problem with with most of the bosses. Um, mm -mm. Like it, it didn't bother me too much. Most of it was the stages themselves. Yeah, and uh, again, like I, I think this is just one of those games that it has a lot of really good ideas, but the overall design really just brings it down. And like it's like they knew they have a really good base game of and just this thing that they wanted to do, and they did that, but the design overall just isn't good. And I think like level five just brings all that home. Like uh I didn't get to the boss of level five, so I don't know if it's just a piece of shit or not, but I know that level is a piece of shit. Yeah. And my absolute biggest pet peeve in video games uh, are are maze levels anyway. And this is one of those blind maze levels and it's just a, the one of the biggest pieces of shit levels that i uh, maze blind maze levels that i've i've ever had to get through or try and i agree it, it's it's damning this level is and yeah playing through that you know right before we started recording i thought i was gonna get on here i was gonna have a ton of negative to say 
Um, but now, as we've talked about it, I've realized that there's there's a lot of good to this game, and it they do. I mean, they're not they're reinventing the fucking wheel with this game. Uh, they're doing some neat stuff here and there, especially with the dog and you know the spells and and of course you know the shopkeep and the news report and all that are top notch. And the music in this thing is pretty damn good. But yeah, um, they just they try to do too much in that fifth level. They try to hit you with too much, and it just doesn't hold up at that point. Um, I, I already thought I was getting a little frustrated. And yeah, like Jeremy said, it's one of those things where I didn't have a lot of trouble with the bosses, but getting there was the trouble. Uh, and it's just the layout of the stages. I don't think it's the kind of difficulty, at least I hope not. I hope they wouldn't do that intentionally. I don't think it's quite the kind of difficulty they were maybe hoping for, but it's just the, there are some deficiencies here and there, and there are some problems that shine through as you're playing, but fuck, fifth level is when they put the spotlight on them. And I also, I played through it a while and I finally, I finally had to bow out at that point. Well, it's it's not just a maze. I mean, a maze would be bad, but at least a lot of games, like we, we covered Quackshot, and Quackshot has that maze level, but the maze level at least has doors with numbers on them or something mm. that keys you to what you need to do or at least you can use as a reference. The maze in this game, in this level, is not marked at all. And, in fact, some of the rooms, uh, I guess if you call them rooms, of the maze are duplicates of earlier rooms, so you can't even tell that you've actually progressed in the maze, you've assumed you've gone back to the start again. I mm. hated this. I spent hours trying to figure this maze out and mapping it out, and I, I gave up. I threw in the towel. I even looked on a game fact to figure out, like, what is the order I'm supposed to do this in, and it's even unintelligible with a game fact because the, the, the way the level's laid out isn't obvious. It's not that there are two doors, you pick the right door at the end. or I mean, it's, it is... You're going through areas that look like areas you've already finished, and yet they're not the area you went to. It's just a duplicate of that room. It is awful. I hate it. And and I'm glad to hear that no one else you know, was like, yeah, I figured out really easily got to the boss, uh, uh, at least of you guys, because it, it is definitely like this level on its own. I spent, you know, let's say I spent 10 hours playing this game. I spent five on this level, and I still never made it to the boss. I just kept going through the same loops over and over and over again. And did you even get to... So level five has it set up where you go through a series of kind of like trap rooms where there's you know lava falling from the ceiling or there's spikes that fall down that you have to dodge. And eventually you get to a room where you fight uh, like a guy with a green a green cloak and a, and a staff with a blade on the end. Did you get to that guy? Nope. <laughs> it's, it's, so no. I thought that was the boss of the game. But instead, it's just some general, like, super soldier guy, and you fight him a bunch, and he flies off the screen, and then there's, that is the only place in the level where there's actually, like, if you go straight, there's a path to a door, and if you go up the set of stairs, there's a path to another door, and both those pathways look like they warp you back to the beginning, but one is the later version of that same room, and one is the early version of that same room, and, and you just keep going through these same there's a staircase section where you can kind of keep going downstairs and eventually get to a door, and that takes you back to what looks like the same room, but it's actually a lower staircase. The way this ma maze was set up is un unintelligible. It's unexplainable. I, <laughs> I mean, I absolutely hated it. 
But again, I spent a lot of time trying to figure it out. I don't feel terrible that I didn't because it really is a bad maze. When you do get through it, you get to the bosses. The boss of this game, it's you know, there's a regular final boss who looks like a, a kind of a giant samurai that, that flies around the room in a super armor. You kill him, that's Zerus. And then all of a sudden you fight a super demon that looks like he's this big pink thing that comes up on the right side of the screen. It has one of those brain enemies in the middle, and as it sh- you know it opens its mouth to spit at you, you fight the brain and uh, you know in the in its mouth to do damage to it. None of the bosses in this game, even if they look kind of cool, do anything super remarkable. They aren't you know there's no boss mechanic here that's going to blow your mind. Even in the last two, it's kind of like yep. The 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 last in fact that pink demon at the end, uh, bricks fall from the ceiling. You have to dodge while you dodge fire. Like that's the super mechanic there. It's nothing nothing worth mentioning. It's just that that made in level five makes it so i i mean i i can't believe anyone would have figured this out without like a full guide it is the maze is completely unintelligible there's not a change in the background to let you know you're in a different room there's nothing it's just you think you just keep looping through the same points over and over again and eventually like oh here's a here's a boss i haven't seen before and that's the end of the game it's awful i uh, recently we did that that maze that was at the end of skater die too and i thought that was bad you know, I'm, I'm just not a fan of mazes anyway. I can't stand them. But, uh, you know, at least that one you could you could map out, you know, any maze that you can map out. OK, fine. But anything that's like this, where it just seems like you you progress when you're just at random. I I just I can't do it. It's just they're they're <laughs> the worst of the worst. And as soon as I saw that this last stage was doing that after running through the same area like four or five times. That I, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine anyone ever getting through this without, you know, back in the day without any sort of help or any sort of guide. And I'm pretty sure this guy, this wasn't featured in Nintendo Power at any point. So, uh, you know, if if the the listener that requested this got through it on his own, then man, more power to you. You're you're better than I am at this. He he does explain he used some cheat codes uh, that would kind of get him through the levels, and then he eventually did finish it, uh, but not as a kid, only as a, more recently as an adult. So I, I think it, it's the kind of game that is one of the reasons we started this podcast. It's a game you would have remembered from your, your youth and want to cover it again, want to look at it again, and then now with other people staring at it, you can kind of see the flaws in it. And this game has some definite flaws. It's got some charm. The dog is nice. Kim is nice. It's, the music's not bad. But but otherwise, this game has a lot of of little irksome flaws that make it not not something I would see revisiting. It's not something I'd recommend people rushing out to try. It is it's just too difficult and too too quirky in in especially that last level and how they put it together that I can't imagine you'd figure that out and enjoy figuring it out on your own. Hey, that that shopkeep's pretty good though. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, Kim's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Come, come for Kim. Uh, maybe don't stay for stage five. No. So Conquest of the Crystal Palace, recommended to us by patron Burger Champ. Uh, not a game we recommend, but it does have some neat little tweaks. So if, if you're, you know, strapped for a new game or want to see something that's that's tries to do something different at least play the first level of this game check out that dog you know go run into kim and then you can you can turn it off i think from that point you've you've got the best that the game has to offer uh but at the same time you know again thank you uh burger champ thank you for the recommendation and if you want to have us cover one of your games please 
check out our Patreon. Uh, not only do you get to get you know recommend us a game, but we have the bonus episodes in between all of our regular episodes. Uh, plus, in October specifically, we're going to try something new uh, along with our regular episodes. And there are three bonus episodes in the month of October, all of them Halloween slash horror themed. Uh, we're going to do a playthrough of a classic retro RPG, and this time it's going to be Fantasy Star, originally on the Sega Master System. Uh, we're going to play through the game throughout the month. We're going to do one update a week where we go through about five hours of gameplay, uh, you know, give or take, depending on if you know the game or not, and, and on your own speed. But we're going to tell you ahead of time, uh, you know, here's where we're going to be next episode at the end of the episode. So if you want to play up to where we were and discuss it great if you want to play farther and just see what we thought of it uh, you know this will be a, a a new show that's on the same feed we're going to see how it goes uh, after the first episode it's going to be a patreon exclusive for any one of our our super retrovaniac patreons uh, and they can you know it, the rest of the game will play out and we'll decide after this month how we're going to do it again but if you're interested at all in that i highly recommend checking out our patreon bonus shows a bonus rpg show and of course if you're our third tier you get to pick a game we have to cover just like burger champ did this week to have us cover conquest of the crystal palace but even if you're not a patreon you can send us questions on retrovania.net there's an amazing form on retrovania.net that lets you give us your questions and we will answer them on the show, much like these questions right here. Uh, yes, totally. And uh, <clears throat> starting off is Aaron G. And uh, he writes in to ask, uh, uh, really just popping in to thank you so much for being one of the better retro p- gaming podcasts that I listen to. Always look forward to seeing new episodes show up in my podcast feed. I guess I need to ask a question, so I'll go with the simplest that I don't think anyone has ever asked. What's the first game that you ever beat? Thanks for doing the show, Aaron. All right, so first game I ever beat, uh, it, actually I do know this one, uh, because the first system I owned was the Intellivision. And there's only a handful of Intellivision games you can beat, and one of them is the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons game, uh, which is now called Cloudy Mountain on any of the collections of games because they lost the license. I, I know I finished that game because you can play it at an easy setting that is so easy that anyone can finish it, mm. and I definitely did as a kid. But as an adult, I still like this game. I still play it, and it's the only game I've put a video up on Retrovania.net's uh, YouTube feed about is the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons game for the Intellivision. So that's the first game I beat uh, that I can remember I finished, and I also finished the second Advanced Dungeons & Dragons game that was on there. Uh, on Nintendo, I... I I don't know. I, I would say it's probably Super Mario 2 because that's about the time I got a Super Nintendo or I got a about the same time I got a Nintendo was Super Mario 2. So I'm going to go with that. But definitely my first game I remember beating the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons game now called Cloudy Mountain on the Intellivision. Now, are we counting like the older games that when you when you beat them, they immediately loop over and start again? Like, are we? We counting that if there's something that you could say is an end point that's like yeah the game gets super hard and then all of a sudden it goes back to the first level again and it's not hard anymore sure yeah uh, the, the first one i did was uh oh it's fucking it was adventure the uh, the old atari game you know where you control the dot that walks around um and i remember that one i remember being just shit i don't even think i was in school yet or i was getting ready to start um and and just muddling around i mean it's not a big board at all and i can get on there now and get to that point in like 30 seconds but i remember just countless hours put into just traversing this level and finding that little key you had to take there at the end uh and and killing that damn dragon that, that i thought was a gigantic duck until i got to be a little bit older um 
but yeah, I, and I remember just the the sense of accomplishment, feeling that when you take that key in, you know, that last castle. And I guess that was the first game that I, I sort of, I mean, it immediately starts you again, but that's the first game where I remember reaching a conclusion where I cut it off and I was like, hey, I finished this thing. Uh, in terms of NES, I, it's it's not too impressive. I mean, my NES, it came with Super Mario Brothers and it was, in fact, Super Mario Brothers. You know, my between me and my father and and my cousin, someone at my house was was constantly playing that game and we were getting a little bit further every time and i remember the the weekend my father had gotten so close he's on that last castle uh the the day before and that weekend you know my cousin came over we sat down and i finally got through to the end of it and that was the the first i guess full length type game that i that i ever played through to the end Uh, i guess for me it would be uh contra for the nes Mm. Uh, that was i spent weeks probably months getting through that game uh, mm-hmm. without the cheat code because i didn't know the cheat code at that point and i remember one <clears throat> one day after we got home my dad had brought me home from school he went in to uh take his nap because he worked in a warehouse all day and i came home from school and i played contra and um uh, got all the way to the end and on my very last life i beat it and i still remember this day like absolutely losing my shit and I'm not, I was never the kind of kid to like scream or anything like that, but I did that time and I fucking lost it. I ran through the house. I busted into my dad's room, his bedroom, screaming that I beat this game. Turns out uh, he didn't enjoy that. Uh, he, actually, <laughs> he thought that I was actually uh, being killed or, or something was happening because I don't, I never acted that way. So he got up, scared as shit, came running out there thinking that, that somebody had gotten in the house or I, that I'd somehow managed to stab myself to death and was dying or something like that. And he, he was just like, what did you do? What the fuck's going on? It's like, I beat Contra. And to this day, he still brings that up. Uh, whenever he's, uh, <laughs> anyone says that uh, I, I'm not someone that ever gets very emotional or I don't yell or get too loud or anything like that. Uh, he will, he will always bring that up and say, I, I know that one time that he fucking lost his mind. <laughs> and uh, That was the first game that, that I ever, Ever beat Contra. Still remember it. All right. Next email comes in from Tyrese. And uh, he writes in to ask about emotional retro games. Mm. Hello to my favorite retro gaming podcast. Forgive me if this has somehow been asked already, but we all know that modern games like to tug on your emotions, but it doesn't seem like anyone ever mentions older generations of gaming that did the same. Maybe it's because people don't think that ancient sprites in combination with an amazing story could elicit the same kind of emotions that newer games can with their super cool whiz-bang graphics. I know I had several games dating back to the NES that was responsible for me shedding a tear or two, either due to a character's death or just a really great and satisfying ending. And I'm curious if any of you had any emotional reactions to retro games, or even if you remember the first time a video game turned on the waterworks. Thanks for reading this, and hopefully it didn't make any of you cry. I don't know if anything before the PlayStation that I'd say has had an emotional impact point. I mean, there's definitely parts where you're like, oh, you know, that was great, I'm glad I finished it, and I, you know, went in my dad's room and woke him up. But I I can't think of anything that would have been in the game story-wise that would have been upsetting and i don't think it's not a matter even of of the graphics but i can't think of a nintendo game where you know 
Like you, you have a love interest that really dies that matters. There's a lot of development in the character where you feel attached to them. Um, you know, obviously Final Fantasy VII when uh, when Aerith dies or Eris or whoever, depending what version you're playing, uh, that that was one. And and even like uh, and I'll bring this up every time. Even the game's not very good. Um, it was it Overkill when Peepo dies? I was very sad about that at the time. <laughs> so there's definitely games where that's happened. But I think PlayStation is the first time where I really, you know, was attached to characters that had that sort of situation. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything NES-wise. Um, not actually at the time where I saw it, but Super Metroid, when the fucking Metroid comes to <laughs> fucking save the day for you, fucking that, that got me later. But fucking, I'd, I guess it's because there wasn't a lot of kind of focus on endearing you to characters then i guess I'm, I'm trying to really think um there wasn't a lot of character development i i didn't think in a lot of those older games i mean it was there but i don't i don't think it was to the point to where you developed like a a, a bond with a character uh that being said fucking today a lot of things get me um the final fantasy 7 one yeah that was a tough hit uh but that was like more of just a kick in the gut than anything um, and there are plenty of games now. Um, I will uh, to the moon on PC. Left me a fucking heap. Uh, it was ugly. It was bad. There was no consoling me on that night. And and I played through that game again, and it got me again. Something terrible. Uh, and, and there are several games like that. Metal Gear, the entire series has rendered me a mess on, on multiple occasions, uh, but not the NES Metal Gear. Um, that rendered me a mess for, for other reasons. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't really think of anything that that really got to me on classic consoles, but I, that is some, also something I haven't really thought about. Uh, and I'm definitely going to do that. And if something pops up, I'll have to, I'll have to declare that in a later episode. Uh, I, I guess maybe the most for me would be um, uh, Final Fantasy VI or you know Final Fantasy III as it was here. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely remember that one kind of getting to me. Uh, Chrono Trigger on Super NES. Mm. Uh, that was that was a good one. Really, those those early RPGs, I guess for me because it was like you said, it's, it was very rare to have anything ha- in any characters in those games yeah. have any sort of emotional buildup. So I guess those were the first that I remember. Um, and even before that, I think maybe the more unusual one was the original Act Razor for Super NES, which is just probably like, how the fuck can that happen? Mm. Uh, I, I think Act Razor had one of the best endings for a video game of all time. Uh, and that was, uh, you know, you play it as a god through the entire game. And, uh, you know, you're saving these people and, and making their their lands and the country or whatever uh, livable again. And they worship you and all this stuff. And at the very end of the game, uh, you know, like anything else, time goes on and eventually they forget about you and that you are just, you know, you just basically corrode and, and turn into nothing because no one remembers the things that you did. You're just, you know, everyone's it's normal now. Everything's fine. So everybody's forgotten about you. And I remember as a kid, I was like, man, that really fucking sucks. Mm. Like that kind of got to me. Uh, but, yeah, I, I guess that was probably the the first one for me that, that actually um, had any sort of re- emotional response. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, I just don't think it's something they prioritize. Then. I mean, they make games now with the fucking intention of it. Um, but not, but yeah, I, I guess, I don't know. I guess it's just how storytelling has developed over the years and with limitations that they had, I guess, I guess it was kind of hard to, to squeeze that much into it, but, but yeah, that is something worth looking into further. All right. Next email comes in from Donovan and, uh, he writes in, uh, <laughs> his subject is turn it off turn it off uh and uh he writes to ask uh, hey guys congratulations on having over 100 episodes now anyways i heard about your rpg plans starting with fantasy star and it reminded me of how about 10 years ago i was in a thrift shop and found an unopened copy of fantasy star online episode 3 card revolution exclusively for the nintendo gamecube a series <laughs> I've always heard about but never played, even if it was the fake card game entry. And since uh, and since on the back of the box it said there was an offline mode, since the Sega servers were already long dead by then, I dropped the $5 and took it home. Mm. Having played a few other Nintendo GameCube games on my Wii with a GameCube controller, I figured I was good to go. Turns out I was wrong. Very wrong. Upon accepting the disc and trying to boot the Wii up, it suddenly went into a crazed overdrive, with the fans spinning up like it was ready to go intercept some Russian MiGs, and the TV displaying nothing except for flickering lines. The Wii was going so completely crazy that the power buttons were doing nothing at all, so I had to pull the plug from it. And in, <laughs> and any other t- <laughs> and any other attempts just put it into that self-destruct sequence again. And so I've still never played... Fantasy Star Online Episode 3 CARD Revolution exclusively for the Nintendo GameCube. So my question is, have you ever had a console try to destroy itself on you? I uh, have had <laughs> two <laughs> two instances of this and it was a, it was a, a Sony product each time. Um, at my my launch PlayStation made it maybe less than a year and Eventually, I would put games in, and not only would it would it not re, it started off by uh, loading times were a lot slower. Then eventually, it wasn't reading every disc, um, and then eventually, I put one in, and yes, it it things escalated very quickly once I put that disc in, and I was very alarmed. And it was the same thing; it was an unplugging from the wall. It turns out that the little the little thing right in the middle there that kind of holds the disc in place was was a little bit on the wobbly side. So once I put the disc in there, it was just kind of frantically, not just spinning like it's supposed to, but it had a little diagonal tilt to it as well. Um, so yeah, that took place. I had to get that replaced. Then it was the PlayStation 2. I started off with the uh, my launch PS2 went... Uh, I got some time out of it. It wasn't until I think uh, SmackDown, here comes the pain. I, I put it in and it wouldn't handle that game that well i found that it, it took fucking forever and it was also about the time san andreas also it, it couldn't uh, deal with that one either whenever i tried to play one of those games it sounded like fucking i was on the damn runway at the airport and then something was taken off taken off quick too um and i eventually had to had to swap that out altogether um and that solved that. Uh, so yeah, it's worrisome when when you have a console that plays just fine, and and then all of a sudden it's just fucking sitting there possessed. 
I never had a specific game that caused the problem, but I've I've had some. You know, I had the the Red Ring of Death on one of my Xbox 360s. Mm. My current PS3 has decided it won't play discs anymore. It just plays things I've downloaded. So uh, hmm. apparently that's a problem with some of the early. Mine won't PS3s. play. Mine won't play movies anymore. But it, it'll it'll it's, still play a. I can put a, a a game disc in. So that that's the same problem, and and mm-hmm. eventually some games will stop working. Then all the games will stop working. Mm. Um, also, I think I've shared this story before, but my dad destroyed our Atari seventy eight hundred by <laughs> trying to hook it up to a van. <laughs> 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 trying to hook it up to the car battery. You could tell it again if you'd like, and, and into the television uh, on the on the like. You know, I mean, this this had to be in what 1988 maybe he tried to hook up the atari 7800 to a van television that was just a little 13 inch built-in tv and the only power for it was from from the battery so he he did something and tried to hook it into some sort of attachment i don't remember because i wasn't watching except for when he was like hey let's see if this works and he turned the van on and we tried to turn the atari on all of a sudden it just <laughs> it just started smoking and it never worked again <laughs> I tell you, an Atari in your van, you can't fucking hide money. Oh, we were living the fast life. That was <laughs> that was a treat. Uh, as for me, I, I I guess I've been extremely lucky for the most part. Uh, I think just like everyone else, uh, I bought a, a launch Xbox 360, and about um, you know a week later, it it sort of stopped working, and uh, I got that. You know, I, I didn't know it was as bad as it was at the time, but I got the Red Ring of Death. Um, so I got that. I think really about the only time that something like catastrophic happened to a console that I've had for quite a while was my original PlayStation. And uh, there was this store uh, that we had here in Indy called Game World, and it was an import store. And it was run by a very shady guy named Jin. And he was uh, he, he would do, you know, those modifications so you could play import uh, PlayStation games. And that was way easier, you know, he put a chip in or something, and that was way easier than what I was doing before, which was like holding up the the, the uh, lid and, and putting a paperclip into the thing so I could trick the PlayStation into, into seeing, thinking it was playing in an American disc, but it was actually a Japanese disc. So I did that, and he charged me about 50 bucks, and I think maybe about two weeks later, uh, I was sitting there playing Rage Racer, uh, the import version of Rage Racer on my brand new modified PlayStation and uh, things started getting weird on the TV, and I looked down, and my carpet was on fire. Now, I don't know if this was because I was, you know, I was a kid, and I didn't quite understand how, you know, maybe you shouldn't set your console on a carpet, or maybe it was the modification that he did or what, but it totally, my, my PlayStation totally just, like, burn up. Like, it, I, there's still, to this day, at my grandparents' house, a burnt spot on the carpet where my PlayStation uh, went up in flames. And so that's that's really about the only time that I that it, I, I had a really bad console that that went really bad, and that was that was distressing enough because I just wasted fifty bucks, to, <laughs> and, and then I think like seventy bucks on Rage Racer uh, to play that. So yeah, that kind of sucked. Uh, anyway, our final email comes from Ricky, and uh, he writes in to say, "Hey guys, I know you've probably answered something similar to this before, but did you ever see a game at a video store that you really wanted to rent?" but it was always rented out by someone else. Then finally, one magical day, the game was available for rent, rent, and then it just turned out to be terrible. My example was when I was a kid renting Super Nintendo games from my local Blockbuster, there was always this one Mario game that I would... There was always this one Mario game that was rented out every time, and I wanted so badly to play it. 
So week after week of going into Blockbuster and checking for it, it finally happened. It was available. I got home and ran downstairs to turn it on and started playing this awful game that I had been so excited to play. And I just felt dumb. And that game was Mario's Time Machine. And to this day, I have trust issues from it. Joking, obviously, but not really. So have any of you been tricked like this before, especially by an educational game? Anyways, thanks for doing what you guys do. And uh, Ricky also uh, writes in uh, representing Sunnyvale. Straight the fuck up. I'm also representing Sunnyvale. That's wonderful. Glad to hear it. I don't have a specific game where I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to get this game. And I rented it and it wasn't, you know, was finally got it and it wasn't good. I would say, though, I'd say half the time I'd rent a game and I would be glad I rented it and did not buy it. Uh, you know, I, I know I got the Simpsons games, the Nintendo Bart's Night, uh, not Bart's Night, what was Bart versus Space Mutants from the rental store. And that was awful. Uh, the, the Nintendo version of Xenophobe was one we rented a lot. And I don't know why, because it was not very fun. Uh, a lot of rentals ended up being things I'm glad I did not purchase, but I didn't have one that was specifically like I'm like the gold, you know, the grail of a rental game I finally got and it was not good. I guess, I guess the the most notable would be I actually hunted down that the blockbuster exclusive Clay Fighter for the the Super Nintendo or say N64 uh, that was awful, but I should have known that because all versions of Clay Fighter are awful. Oh, that's that's a fight for another day. <laughs> um, but yes, Ricky from from from. Fucking Sunnyvale. Well, that's something we had to go to the Dirty Burger later on then. But I, <laughs> I, uh, this is double edged because not only was it sold out every time, or it was out every time I went to the, the video store. And this was at the time before Blockbuster rolled around. We had one locally owned store, uh, and it, it had a decent video game selection. You know, every time I went there, I could usually pick something different, but there, this one game in particular was never there. Not only that, it was compounded by the fact that apparently this was like an adult game. Like this was not kids stuff here. It was that fucking taboo on the NES, the damn, the damn tarot card game. And I had no idea anything about this game. The box just had the front. It didn't have, anything else it didn't have any information you know just with what magazines i had it wasn't in the magazines or anything like that i just know this was the game that is all the way up on the top shelf it was always out and apparently this was you know kind of a not adults only but it it, it wasn't a kid's game i'll I'll say that much so i I was always intrigued by it and i was always looking for it every time um and of course it's one of those things where each kid fucking course they played it each one has their own story of what what all's in this game um obviously none of us had because i finally got it i brought it home (sighs) holy shit and and i just i didn't quite understand it Uh, i know you can do a a tarot reading um uh, you get lottery numbers you know and it, it it was a letdown, a gigantic letdown. And this was months of buildup to get a hold of this game. Uh, I, the only one I can ever remember uh, was uh, that, I, that I had that was sort of like that was uh, on the Super NES. And I've actually mentioned this game to do for the podcast at some point was uh, Dr- Draken. Draken? I, I don't know if that's how you <laughs> oh, yeah, say Draken it or not. The Nintendo, Super Nintendo. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, if you look at the back of the box, it looks amazing. Uh, it just looks kind of like it's this uh, 3D kind of Mode 7 
RPG, and it looks it looked amazing. I'm sure it looks terrible now if you look at the back of the box. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those games that was always rented out, and it wasn't like that. I really wanted to rent it much in the at all. But the fact that it kept being rented out was was something that intrigued me because back then, unless it was in a magazine that you could say like, "This is the good game, go for that." If you kind of went with what had the most copies in the video store or what was rented out the most at the mm. video store. So a Draken was always rented out. And so finally I went in one day and uh, uh, like Ricky, you know, it was there. And I, I was super, super excited, went home. I don't fucking know what the hell that game is. And that's kind of why I want to do it for this podcast, because I, I didn't know what it was. I don't know how to play it. It was just a complete mess to me as a kid. And I was that, that, that you know, life lesson learned. Maybe, maybe you should just stick with the things, you know, and, mm. and don't go for the thing that, you know, again, I, I mean, I, I have found really great games, though, that, that I was just, you know, I randomly uh, rented as a kid. But then there are those that you just, you know, you rent and you're just, you, it really sucks because you wasted four or five bucks on that. And, you know, Way to ruin a weekend. So yeah, I, I get it, Ricky. That was uh that that really sucks. But that's that's gonna do it for our questions this week. Uh, again, if you have any questions, please feel free to go over retrovania.net. Scroll all the way down. There's an amazing contact form. Mm-hmm. And if you fill it out, uh like Billy, when you're drunk and send in your uh erotic retrovaniacs fan fiction, uh I probably won't read it. And the restraining order is doing nothing for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you write in and ask us an actual question, then uh, we'll probably read it on here just like we did these four emails. And again, uh, this whole next month, all of October, since it's Halloween month, we, know, we do it every year on Retrovania.net and Retrovaniacs. We're going to do it again this year. Uh, games we're going to cover, uh, I don't want to list all of them, but Silent Hill is coming. We've got some uh, medieval. And uh, next bonus show is going to be on Demon's Crest, the pseudo-sequel to Ghosts and Goblins. So if you're, again, not on our Patreon, highly recommend getting in. You'll get all the old bonus shows plus all the new bonus shows uh, for a couple bucks a month. So check it out. Our Patreon link is going to be in the podcast notes. Otherwise, we will see you in two weeks with a brand new Halloween-themed October episode. And we'll see you then. that you ever beat thanks for doing the show tyrese or i'm sorry aaron i looked down at the next name <laughs> god damn it <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm gonna answer that when i stop laughing oh don't oh, edit it <laughs>